I am Giuseppe. Hi, I'm Anthony, and this is For the Love of Sophia, a philosophy podcast brought to you by the Public Philosophy Project. If you have any questions or suggestions for future episodes, please follow us on Twitter. Enjoy the ride. back yep continuing so, the discussion discussion about god and is there a god right mm-hmm. and last time i think the last things that we said we we're talking about divinity mm-hmm. so we're trying to figure out what this divinity is because we said sort of it's possible it's reasonable to believe that there is this blind will if you want that mm-hmm. this perfection but why does it have to be divine yeah and what does the what does what does it mean to be divine? Yeah, I'm trying to think. And whatever divinity is, it would have to be quote unquote better or more than what a human is. Does it mean does it mean exceptional? Exceptional. Is it like a a, a kind of a synonymous and a superlative maybe of exceptional? Mm. It's more than exceptional. Is that what divine means? It might be. Because I'm thinking there's one way of thinking of it, and it's that whatever divinity is, it's the same like conceptual categories we have, but to the maximum capacity. Right? Okay. And then the other way of viewing divinity is, well, there's more than the conceptual categories we have. Okay. So it's like... Is God having the same set of things of us, but to a higher degree? Or is God having not only the set of things we have, but more? So, in other words, can we say that uh, a specific wine, right, Mm. has a divine taste because it's so good Mm. that nothing compares to it, right? Mm -hmm. Or are you saying, is there like... A drink that's even better than all the that wines we can't know. that we can't even know. It's yeah. so good that's beyond our imagination. Yeah, right. So is so is God the highest form of good, or is God beyond goodness? I don't know. What do you? What's your take on this? Well, I'm pretty interested in. Uh, so you have the the cataphatic religions, right, mm-hmm. which says that God is good, and they posit things of God. But then you have the apophatic strains, like Pseudo-Dionysius, who will say, well, if God really is this transcendent, then he can't be good, because we know good. So if we call God good, that's limiting. We're limiting him. That's right, we're limiting God. And so he's not the highest form of the categories we have. He's something beyond that. Mm-hmm. And not only is he beyond goodness, he's beyond being. So we can't say anything about him. Because to say anything is to say he is. But who says that God is, is, right? Mm -hmm. So there's more to it, so much more. Right. That we cannot even fathom this thing somehow. Which is interesting. So in those kind of religion, I'm curious, does that mean that you don't talk about it? 
You don't mention it. You don't pray to it. Yeah. You don't so do there's it. this process of apophasis, which is like a, a wiping away or an, they actually say unsaying. Okay. So you're unsaying God. And he uses all these metaphors like God isn't in the light. He's in the dark because right? we don't know. Ooh, yeah. interesting. It's very interesting. Interesting. I wonder, though, if that is, uh, what does that translate into, though, right, when it comes to belief when you, so what's the relationship that you have with God, right? Is there any relationship that you can have with it? Hmm. That's true because it seems like we formulate our relationships with God on the basis that he does bear some resemblance to things we call good. Right. And if you say all of a sudden God is not good or God is beyond good, then how do we form a basis for relationship and worship? You're right. And it's interesting because does that mean, and again, to use words that are famous in other issues, right? Uh, does that mean that God is beyond good and evil, right? Mm. Does that mean that at the end of the day, uh, we shouldn't question it, things that happen to us. Because I think that could be an interpretation. Sometimes even within Christianity, for example, we have this idea that we don't know what's good for God. Things might look bad for us, mm -hmm. but it, its will is beyond our comprehension. So sometimes you might think that this person that you love and that is young and that is full of life yeah. gets sick and dies. Yeah. And you ask why, right? How can that be a God that's good? Mm -hmm. Uh, and then somebody will, uh, will tell you, somebody who's deeply religious will tell you, well, you don't know what's good for God. How are you so presumptuous to understand? Yeah. God works in mysterious ways. In mysterious ways. ways, right? Which is weird because that's an almost apathetic thing to say. And Christianity is not that mainstream Christianity, let's say. Yeah. So it, it does seem that the transcendence of a God, in order to be true transcendence, would have to transcend even our conceptual categories. But if that's the case, yeah. <laughs> then we don't know anything. We don't know anything. And we can't act uh, as if anything, because like, what is our frame of reference? Not only that, I'm thinking this all the speculation we're making doesn't make any sense at all, because it's so <laughs> transcendent that how can we even... Yeah. So this, at least, we can only imagine something that's similar to us, that's mm -hmm. within our categories, which is still diminishing God. Mm -hmm. So if there is a God, definitely it's none of the characteristics that we have established, because if right. he does, it's not transcendent enough. I could also see this falling into a, a kind of relativism, where you know you kill someone, hey, well, it doesn't matter if it's not good, because God's word is law, and he's not good. Yeah, you know, true. It's, so you, it's, it's carrying that part as well. Yeah. Um, but you were mentioning before in the last episode, we mentioned the ontological mm -hmm. argument, mm -hmm. which is probably the most famous argument for the existence of God that mm -hmm. there is. And there's one of those arguments that people, and I think you mentioned this too, that at least gives you a pause, right? It tells you, well, wait a minute, this makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. This doesn't... If it's not convincing 100%, at least it's one of those that you need to, really need to grapple with. I agree. Um, do you... Yeah, and so it goes something like this. It's just two premises, I think, and then a the conclusion. The first line is, God is that than which nothing greater can be conceived. Yes. In plain language, whatever God is, you can't imagine anything greater than God. Mm -hmm. Right? And the second premise is, it's greater to exist both in the mind as an idea and as a concrete reality 
than just to exist as an idea alone. Mm -hmm. And the way Anselm explains this is he talks about a painter. I always use the example of the Mona Lisa. I say, okay, you have two scenarios. What's better? Scenario A, you have the idea of the Mona Lisa in your head, but you don't have it painted. Idea B, you have the idea of the Mona Lisa and it's become manifest, right? You actually have the painting. And they say, well, obviously the second one's better. And I say, right, okay, so from those yeah. two premises, we can conclude, therefore, God must exist. Yeah. Right? Because if he didn't, if he only existed in the mind... They will be less than perfect. That's right, because we can imagine something greater than him that existed so in both. So it's kind of connected to the argument of perfections, which we were talking about before, right? Mm. There's this connection somewhat. Uh, but it's good, and you're right. I mean, I, the way I explain this... I kind of make this a similar example much more trivial, though. I always mm -hmm. say, think that you have a million dollars. Is it better just to think to have a million dollars to good. actually think about it and having it? And everyone was like, of course, having it, right? Same thing, right? That's good. Uh, I wonder, though, and maybe we're, I'm backtracking because, you know, starting thinking about about this perfection stuff a little bit more. I'm wondering, though, I think that's plain, that's very plain, that God cannot, is missing one quality, at least. So it cannot be perfect, at least according to what we're said up to now. What is that? And I think that the quality that's missing is clarity. That's true. It's not clear if he exists or not. It's not clear what he is. What it is. What so, it is, right? We're yeah. even using he. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. It's not clear if it exists, what it is, and all these things. So does that mean that it's missing a quality and therefore it is not perfect? <laughs> so it could be that, or it could be that we, we don't are, have the clarity, right? We are limited, right? Yeah, we are imperfect. But then again, mm -hmm. what does it then while if we are good enough to understand all the other perfections, just this one we're not. Right, that's very interesting. And I think that would point to, well, because he has things that go beyond what we know. But a, another different critique of the ontological argument I'm thinking is, well, you could just simply disagree with that first premise. Well, why is God the greatest thing imaginable? And I mean... It's hard, right? Because I suppose that's possible. Like you can critique that. But at the same time, if you are talking about God, it's not completely unreasonable, right? To say, well, if there's a God, it would be. I like, so I don't like that argument, uh, the argument of, you know, kind of disagreeing with the first premise because mm -hmm. I always think that if we're seriously talking about this kind of stuff or in general, whatever philosophical discussion you're having when it comes to existence or when it comes to reality and all those things, well, if you're really playing the game, right? Yeah. You need to play the game. You, you cannot deny this. It's within those premises. Is there something faulty there? Mm -hmm. Because that that uh, argument goes kind of, comes before, right? You're mm -hmm. denying the very premise of the old thing. You already decided that this doesn't exist, that this is not there. You're not playing the game, so to speak, right? It's true. I mean, it's certainly a valid argument, right? Yeah. Because it's true. That conclusion... 100% necessarily follows. And those medieval guys, they knew what they were doing with logic. They, they knew what was, what was going to happen. Now, uh, the problem is, though, I think that the, the 
the premise that can be doubt is the second one, actually, mm. somewhat. Yeah, you brought that up in the last episode, I think. The, the idea that is it, you know, is there a difference? Is it really, is there really better to, mm-hmm. to exist in reality rather than existing in just, just in the mind? Yeah, and this is the thing that when I was a student at Montclair, I used to question. I said, well, why is that better? Isn't that a specific definition of better? Like, how can you definitively prove that? I think Kant has an argument for that, doesn't it? Against oh, does this, Against this thing. I think it's one of the... Oh, I'm not aware. The antinomy, on, isn't it? The antinomies of reason in the yeah. back of the first critique? Yeah, isn't it? Like, okay. Isn't it one of those? Because what I was... So the way I try and explain it is, think of it... Not so much as better, because the word better reflects personal values, mm-hmm. but more so greatness. And it does seem, quote-unquote, greater in a qualitative sense if you have something not only as an idea, but as an idea and a concrete reality. Right? Like, it would certainly seem to be difficult to make the case that the opposite is greater um, that is true. That is true. And I thought what I'm about to say is going to make sense. But okay, I'm excited. I'll try. <laughs> that is true up to a certain point. Because mm-hmm. think of utopias. Mm-hmm. They're greater in mind rather than they are when they... Because you, they cannot be mm-hmm. actualized. Mm-hmm. So... Whatever utopia you're thinking of, it works perfectly. Mm-hmm. It's perfect as an idea, but then when he comes into reality, he loses actually. He doesn't get yeah. any, he doesn't acquire, because we, we say we don't want to use better or worse, mm-hmm. but it doesn't get greater. So that's interesting. I'm wondering if someone could just say, well, yeah, you've just proven that utopia isn't God. Right, because God sure. would be greater. God, but then again, uh, but the, the issue here is the distinction between the ideal things yeah. and, and the and the things that have. But to be honest, mm-hmm. Anson says, ideal and yes, and concrete are better than just ideal. Right? Yeah, because I was going to ask you, even though it might not be possible for utopia, wouldn't it be greater if it was? If it was, of course. Right? So, if Anson will, I think the Anselm answer will be like. Yes, you're right. But the truth is, it would be greater if it was ideal and mm-hmm. concrete. And mm-hmm. then, of course, it would be correct. Yeah. Like, I've spent time trying to convert the ontological argument into symbolic form. And I'm like, okay, like, what proof is going on here? Like, is there any way? And I always just stop five minutes in because I'm like, I can't, I can't do this right now. <laughs> But you're right, it does grip you, because at first you hear it, and you're like, well, that sounds silly. And then the teacher or whoever is like, well, no, really, think about it. And you're like, okay, well, I guess it has a point, but you still have this urge to, like, disprove it, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's really hard to grapple with. And it's, and again, at the end of the day, I think that it boils down to, does it really make a difference? Rather, it exists in your head, right? Or if it exists in reality. Does it really make a difference? Is that really greater? Because that is, that is the... Because the way you explain it, the way I explain it as well, of course, it seems better to have a million dollars than, than 
just think about a million dollars. It's mm -hmm. better to have a world where there, the Mona Lisa, there's the ideal of it, and also having it in existence. The point is, though, is that enough, right? Is that really a difference between the two? And is that difference um, convincing enough mm -hmm. for us to, to concede the existence of this divine mm -hmm. being, this exceptional being, right? No, I know. It's, it's t I mean, do you think there's a better proof than any of the ones we've considered? No, no honestly not. I think that those are the ones that are the most... Um, and again, I'm not by any means a, an expert mm -hmm. on, on the proof of these. So God, but I, but the way I've seen scholars using them, I have the impression that those are the ones that they believe. Yeah, and I'm thinking Descartes is just a modification of the ones we've said. Oh, yeah, right? absolutely. Like, I'm imperfect, so there must be a perfection to relate myself to. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's just, it's, there's no... I think that the most interesting... Proof of the existence of God is Berkeley's one, actually. Ah, uh, okay. That, that is that's the greatest one. Because yes. at the end of the day, um, this, this philosopher, this Irish philosopher, George Berkeley, that in the 1700s comes out with this idea, this crazy idea that to be is to be perceived, right? Mm -hmm. And everything that's in existence is in existence only because and if it's perceived at all times. So if you take this thing seriously on the level of, on the natural level, if only me and you are there, that means mm -hmm. that technically if I turn around, then this vase with this flower disappears if you're not perceiving it, if nobody's perceiving it or thinking of it. Mm -hmm. Again, thought and memory is uh, still an aspect of perception. Uh, and people usually think that he's crazy because he thinks that. Uh, but that the funny thing is that he solved this issue saying that, you know why, you know why things don't appear to disappear when you go to sleep or turn around or not somewhere? Because there is one being mm -hmm. that's perceiving everything at all times. Mm -hmm. And this being is God because rationally things should appear and disappear depending on perception, but they don't. Therefore. Not because I'm wrong, <laughs> but because there is a God yeah. that's perceiving everything at all times. So everything, everyone is always being in the mind of God. Yes. So we are all ideas of God. And I always say, you know, what's the symbol of God? Is the eye and the triangle, right? Is this all-seeing eye at all times. Like the Illuminati? <laughs> the Illumin that's, the symbol, that's the symbol for God, right? It's the all-seeing God, or, you know, if you're a fan of the, of the Lord of the Rings, the mortar, right? The all-seeing eye. Yeah. Is the, that's God for Berkeley, sort of. Sort of and this is funny because, to bring it full circle, if everything is just an idea in the mind of God, then all we have is different modes of one oh, substance. Oh, one substance, right? right? So Spinoza is correct yeah. today. Um, it's, it's interesting, and I, and I think that, you know, there's some, and of course... If you take, and it's really difficult to disprove Berkeley for the things that he says. I think it's not easy to 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 prove that he's wrong. Oh yeah, you can't write it off. No, and but if you take him seriously, then you have to take seriously the existence of God as well, because mm -hmm. otherwise it becomes insane, right? Um, but again, there are definitely the the proofs that we that we considered before are the ones that are more. Uh, respectable, mm -hmm. you can say. They're the ones that are most used, mm -hmm. um, I want to say. Um, but I wonder, though, so is are we saying that the ontological argument is convincing enough from a logical perspective to the point that we can reasonably believe that there is such a personal 
conscious divinity that we call God? I, I think it's reasonable enough to the point where you can't say, like a lot of hard atheists do, there's definitely no God. Because mm-hmm. I think that position presents itself as being more informed than it actually is. Do you know what I mean? I 100%. I'll actually always joke that that position is pre-theistic to me. Mm. It is as religious as right. the one that says that God exists regardless. Yeah, and so I think there's a problem either way if you say, well, I know with 100% certainty that there is a God. Yep. Or conversely, well, I know with 100% certainty that there's not a God. And they try and spin it in all these different ways. Like, right, you'll have Dawkins or any of these other new atheists. I'm even thinking, there's this video I show my logic class of uh, Ricky Gervais on Stephen Colbert, where he says, well, atheism doesn't posit anything. I just refuse to believe your belief without evidence. I don't think that's true. I think atheism is a specific claim. Absolutely it is. Right? But they pretend like, no, 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 I'm just not accepting your claim. No, and it's a clever way of, is. of, of presenting your claim, regardless. Because, right? I mean, if that was true, they'd be agnostics. Not yes, atheists. yes. And I think that out of all those things, that's probably the most reasonable one, isn't it? Um, I would agree. If you if you cannot prove either way, just suspend your judgment, right? Yeah. I think that it's just composition. That's true. Uh, um, I think that aside from agnosticism... Um, Going back to the, to, the, to the being convinced that God exists or not, I think that once more what the ontological argument tells us is that there is a possibility for a being to be higher than everything else, mm-hmm. but doesn't tell us anything about being human-like, conscious, or any of those things yeah. at the end of the day. Because while we can argue that existing ideally and materially, as we can say, and mm-hmm. in practice, so to speak, right, uh, might be better than existing only in the mind. It's much harder to prove that having conscious existence is better than having unconscious existence. Mm. I think that's true. And I wonder if there are people who are listening and they're just thinking, well, you guys are dumb because you're not talking about science and science obviously proves that there's no God. And I mean, that's a whole other discussion we could have Mm -hmm. uh, another time. And I'm thinking in that same interview I'm telling you about, there's this weird back and forth between Ricky Gervais and Stephen Colbert where he says, okay, here's how you know science is quote-unquote, more true than religion. He says, if you erased all the religious texts from existence, right, you destroyed everything, Mm -hmm. they would come back differently. But if you... Yeah, right? But if you destroyed all science texts, they would come back the same. No, they won't. I know, and I'm, like, (laughs) flabbergasted when I hear this. No way. No, they won't. Yeah, I know. I... At least I hope they won't. <laughs> no, they won't because that's. But uh, I know. I know. I just had to say this. I had to get uh, that in. How? How? Uh, but it's crazy because 
you have this fundamentalists because that's what they are mm. uh, anti God anti um, which to me they are as religious mm-hmm. they just worship a different God mm. some worship science some worship doubt mm-hmm. some worship just themselves but it's just a, just a worship that's different right and out of all this actually rather the people that worship God yeah <laughs> because well first of all they're the original ones and then all the ones are derivative from that uh, and I'm all for the original stuff yeah but even more importantly and joking aside I think that at least the the virtues of the principles or the moral code that is uh, presented by for the large majority, of course, there, there are exceptions, there are things that are bad, there, there are some values that might not be current. But if taken the right way, mm-hmm. I think that the values presented by religion are more in line with humanity than the values presented by those other things. Yeah, and I, I mean, there's the problem that science doesn't even provide values. Exactly. It thinks it does, though, right? Because I think there was was it Neil deGrasse Tyson right like oh the ideal society would be based entirely on scientific principles which I don't know what that means uh, exactly and because uh, um, one natural principle would be natural selection I would assume which would then mean that you know if we base a society on that if you were born Mm -hmm. on the not so strong side Mm -hmm. we should get rid of you right what would that mean I'm not sure I don't know it's weird, and I mean, he says that he's aligned with reason, right? Science equals reason, and we both know that that's, that's not true. That's not, that's absolutely not. And I think that we will eventually need an episode, just like we did with God, with science. Yeah. Um, how is it different from philosophy and yes, reason? and uh, how oh, is it different from religion here? That can be uh, good. Because I, I wonder if we can make uh, this different claim at all, or we mm. can... Or if they're the same thing, just a different name. We shall see. Um, but I think this is not exhaustive of the issue of uh, God and existence at all, but I think it's adequate. Adequate, at least yes. for now. Sounds good. All right. Talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you.